to a Civil War battlefield, what do you expect to see and learn? Why were they there in the first place? What's the war all about? There's an ongoing controversy in how Civil War battlefields should be interpreted, and we'll talk to the historian of Fredericksburg and Spotsylvania National Military Park, Don Fons, about that when we return on Civil War Talk Radio. Have you let your website go stale? Wish you didn't have to wait for your web developer to return your call when you want to update content? You don't have to. Now you can easily and instantly manage your own website content using affordable Avalar technology. Avalar is a website development and hosting company that provides turnkey internet solutions for companies like yours that need to stay focused on core business. Avalar gives you the power to control your website and make updates and additions in real time without having to learn HTML or other complicated programming tools. Websites powered by Avalar feature capabilities that attract more customers and enhance relationships with existing customers. Avalar offers a multitude of leading-edge solutions, including lead generation and referral tracking, shopping carts and payment processing, membership management, and search engine optimization, to name a few. Take advantage of the full power of the Internet using Avalar technology at www.avalar.com. That's A-V-A-L-A-R. Vitality is a natural expression of health, success, and fulfillment, and yet it's rare to meet people bubbling with vitality. That's because most of us push ourselves too hard, and when we trigger the internal alarms that tell us to change our diets, attitudes, or activities, we ignore them. Allowing outside pressures to override our internal alarms undermines our health, sabotages our success, and limits our potential. If you're ready to reclaim your natural vitality, to begin living a life you love, visit thevitalyou.com. You're listening to World Talk Radio, where the world comes to talk. To speak with our show hosts or guests during the live show, call us toll-free in North America, 888-514-2100. Everywhere else, call 001-858-268-3068. Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, talking today with Donald C. Fond, historian at the Fredericksburg and Spotsylvania National Military Park, and author of the biography of Richard S. Yule. Don, to tie together a couple threads uh, we've been talking about today, uh, Yule and the state of Civil War battlefields, uh, a little while back I had the opportunity to drive through south-central Virginia and uh, stop to visit the battlefield at Sailor's Creek which was Ewell's last battle. He was captured there, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that battlefield is completely undeveloped, uh, not heavily interpreted. Uh, it really looks, as far as I can tell, much as it must have looked in 1865. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of uh, situation you said Congress anticipated when they began buying land for national parks, just buy a little bit for a visitor's center because all the rest is farmland and it'll never get developed. Right. Well, we've seen otherwise, as you point out, in uh, along the I-95 corridor, uh, Fredericksburg, Chancellorsville, uh, those areas are being heavily developed into bedroom communities for Washington and Richmond, and it's a real struggle there. Places further out, like Sailor's Creek, uh, are still completely undeveloped. Is it just a matter of time until those two get uh, covered with the racetracks and uh, shopping malls? 
Uh, I'm afraid it is. Um, again, it all depends on the geography, and, uh, but uh, in Virginia, uh, anything that's near a highway is very quickly getting developed. I know I was recently went down and was visiting uh, Cross Keys Battlefield, which is one of my favorite uh, Yule spots uh, out in the Shenandoah Valley. And uh, when I've been there on previous occasions, Cross Keys had always been very natural. It's about five, six miles from Harrisonburg, and uh, but it was out in farmland, and the area looked very much like it would have during the Civil War. The last time I went back, uh, I noticed the traffic was uh, several times heavier than it had ever been before, and I now noticed uh, housing developments cropping up uh, all around uh, the battlefield. And so in another 10, 20 years, that battlefield, if nothing's done, will will uh, become developed just like the battlefields up in this part of the country. Uh, so again, uh, even battlefields that once seemed safe really aren't safe anymore. What can be done about this? Uh the most practical thing that people can do if they want to preserve the battlefields is to join one of the uh, several uh, battlefield trusts that have cropped up in the last 20 years. These are groups of uh, individuals who are very concerned about uh, Civil War history who don't want to see the land developed and realize that if they're going to keep it from being developed, they need to go out and purchase it. And so, for instance, here in the Fredericksburg area, we have a very active group called the Central Virginia Battlefields Trust, which uh, has been very helpful to the Park Service in buying upland that the park cannot buy for itself and uh, then preserving it and later giving it to the National Park Service. Uh, on a national scale, there's another very good organization called the, the Civil War Preservation Trust, and uh, it has done the same thing, uh, but on a national scale over the last 20 years. They've saved a lot of land, not only in this area, but you know, as far west as beyond the Mississippi River. So both of those are excellent organizations. They use their money very effectively, if you, uh, and they, in fact, um, leverage the money. So if you give them a dollar, they usually can turn it into three or four dollars of preservation money by getting grants from, from different uh, government organizations. So they're very good organizations to join. They use your money very effectively, and they are saving this hallowed ground uh, before it gets developed. And if it's not, I know in this area, anyhow, if, if it's not saved in the next 10 to 20 years, it will never be saved because it will all be gone. Well, I, th I think it's something hopefully our listeners will, will think uh, hard about doing, joining the Civil War Preservation Trust or other local groups working to preserve things. There are, are battlefields, uh, certainly throughout the East Coast, here in eastern North Carolina, uh, I am learning uh, as a newcomer to the region more and more about how much action took place nearby and how many uh, undeveloped sites there are that were the scene of fighting between Union and Confederate forces, uh, in many cases sites that ought to be preserved or interpreted or, or at least remembered in some way that uh, even the local uh, residents know nothing about today and, and would just as soon uh, pave over if no one said anything. Mm -hmm. Now, these... The, the Park Service, besides preserving these battlefields, also has a responsibility for interpreting them, for, for helping the visitors understand what happened there. Mm -hmm. And as I understand, there's been a sea change in the last uh, decade, certainly, in how the Park Service interprets Civil War battlefields. Can you tell us something about that? Yes, uh, I'd say maybe five years ago or so, uh, uh, the, there, there, the Park Service had a um, uh, kind of symposium, I guess, of, uh, uh, which was attended by a lot of uh, people in the, in the uh, Nas National Park Service Civil War sites and, and other civil war organizations, and it's called Holding the High Ground. And the thrust of the, um, of, uh, the Holding the High Ground symposium was 
that uh, Civil War parks, specifically in the National Park Service, had perhaps gotten too narrow in their focus. They were talking uh, ex- almost exclusively about uh, battles and military things uh, to the exclusion of maybe some of the broader topics. And so the purpose of the Holding the High Ground uh, uh, was to examine that, see if it was true, and if it was true, to uh, perhaps uh, take, take steps to maybe broaden our interpretation to include uh, the causes of the Civil War, uh, the effect of the war on civilians, and other, other associated topics that maybe weren't quite getting enough attention. And what do you think of that? Uh, how, how is it working, and, and what's your view of it? Um, and, think, and as an employee of the Park Service, of course, you might want to measure your words carefully uh, <laughs> talking about official policy. But uh, to, to the extent you can, what, what do you think of this? Uh, I, I, I like the idea as a whole, though. I think it has to be done uh, on a site-by-site basis and done uh, uh, with a... Uh, uh, a certain sensitivity uh, and intelligence. Uh, you can't go. You can't go out and simply rubber stamp every park and say, "Okay, at every Civil War site, you have to talk about this issue, that issue, and another issue." Uh, if you do that, uh, it's not only going to um, um, be kind of like sticking around peg in a square hole. It will also bore the visitors. Imagine if you're a visitor, and a lot of visitors go out on Civil War vacations where they hit, you know, five, ten different battlefields all in a week. Try to imagine if you're going to a, a battlefield and at each battlefield you're getting the same uh, prefabricated statement about the causes of the war. Uh, you'd get very tired of that very quickly. And it wouldn't be appropriate in every spot. So you have to, um, to take that notion, which is a good notion, and apply it with some intelligence. For instance, let me give you an example here at our park. Uh, here at, at Fredericksburg uh, National Military Park, we have a site called Chatham which is uh, an antebellum plantation that was also used as a headquarters in a hospital during the war. That's an excellent spot to uh, talk about the causes of the war, and the, uh, not only the causes, but the effects of the war on the civilian population. And so here at, at Fredericksburg, we are, are working to use Chatham and other sites like that to bring out these lesser publicized themes. On the other hand, you wouldn't want to take uh, those same themes and you, you couldn't very well apply them to, say, the wilderness battlefield. And if you tried to do so, it would seem out of place and very awkward. So, uh, again, I'm, I'm in general in favor of uh, broadening the interpretation, but I think it just has to be done in an in a intelligent, sensitive manner. Well, that's a, that, <clears throat> that makes a lot of sense to me. It seems that there are places where you do want to talk about the cause of the war and places where you might not. Uh, if I can share an experience, I visited the uh, new site, uh, the new interpretive site at Fort Sumter a couple of years ago, which out of the visitor center uh, f- square footage, I would say two-thirds interpreted the situation before the Civil War leading up to the firing at Fort Sumter, and only the last third talked about the actual conflict there. And that, to me, seemed to make perfect sense, because the discussion of Fort Sumter as a battle, as a purely military event, would be rather unsatisfactory. Uh, the casualties are low. Uh, the fighting is one-sided. Tactical choices are limited. It's really not that fascinating as a military experience. But it is critical, as the start of the Civil War, the first open battle, to uh, explain to the visitor why they started shooting at each other. Exactly. Fortunately, is an excellent example because at the visitor center, again, they can give you that, that necessary background to make you really appreciate 
why the event is so important. And then from there, you take the boat out to the, the island, to the fort. Right. And there you would get more of the, the site-specific military history once you get out there. So, it's, it, so it works nicely hand-in-glove with each other. Exactly, and that, that would make sense to me. I had some issues with their interpretation of what brought the war on and, and other things, but I'll save that for another show. I'll bring the <laughs> superintendent from, uh, uh, from Charleston, from Fort Sumter here, and, and read the riot <laughs> act. Uh, but I, 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 I understand there are those who, who are not sympathetic to this movement who would prefer that you focus on uh, who shot who and uh, uh, not why they did so. Well, yeah, there's a lot of uh, uh, differing opinions about it, and, and I think they all have some validity. Um, a lot of it, again, is opinions, and every, you have two people, you're going to have two opinions. But I think some of the arguments uh, that are being raised um, uh, or, or uh, against doing this, or I shouldn't say being raised against it, but some of the uh, obstacles, I think, to doing it well is that, uh, first of all, people have come here who come to the battlefields usually come here because they're interested in the military history. Mm-hmm. And uh, and, and we, we found out that most people are, stay at a park for less than an hour. And so if they're here for less than an hour, every minute that you're spending talking about something, uh, one topic, you're not talking about the other topic. Mm-hmm. And so you have very little time and very few exhibits to, to, to tell what you need to tell. Um, I think we also need to remember that, um, that the National Park Service has one advantage over teachers in classrooms or professors and books and things like that, and that is, that we actually own the sites. Uh, you can read about um, uh, about uh, Chancellorsville in books and see it on uh, um, public TV specials and things like that. But if you want to see the battlefield, you come to to Virginia to do it. And so when people come to Chancellorsville, uh, we are there to explain the site. Uh, and and, and so I think you have to kind of keep that in mind. If you want the broader topics, be it you know women's issues, uh, slavery, the causes of the war, uh, those things are not site-specific, and you can read about them in a book much better, really, than you can learn about them on the site, at a battlefield site. And so I think a lot of the the um, uh, objection is that maybe it's just not the right type of information to be told at a specific type of site. Well, that makes a lot of sense to, to me. You want to you want to focus on the site while you're there, uh, and yet there, the the counter argument, or perhaps what brought this about in the first place, is that if you present these battles just as blue gray contests, uh, sort of armed football games, uh, without any sense of any moral or political import to the outcome, uh, just interesting clashes, uh, uh, giant chess games. Then you do really lose something. Uh, you, you lose focus of what the whole thing is about, and and in a sense, you make a political statement that each side is uh, equally uh, morally, politically, socially valid, and that some people would say is fair. Others would say, well, that's that's hardly fair to to say the two sides were equally justified. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't win in this situation, of course. Uh, you end up taking a stand one way or another and alienating somebody. And I think that's another uh, concern is that uh, National Park Service historians um, uh, really need training, especially if you're going to talk about hot-button issues like slavery, where you know, people who come in and are talking with you probably have a very strong opinion one way or the other before they even get to you. That's right. Uh, they're going to, if you, if you take, you know, make statements, you're going to be challenged one way or the other 
about whatever statement you make. And consequently, I think there's a lot of people in the park, service, myself included, who feel that it's hard enough to um, understand, in our case, everything associated with the military side of the, the story for four different battlefields, and now you want to bring in something that's an entirely new uh, set of information, and, and, and information is very controversial, and now we have to also become experts in that in addition to what we're already doing, which takes up 100% of our time <laughs> as it is. So I think there's, there's also concerns about that, uh, uh, about you know, just not being able to do both of them well. And, well, I think uh, many of us who've spent uh, a long time professionally working on these issues would agree that uh, you can spend a lifetime and never be sure you've uh, mastered it entirely. So I can see where the challenge would come in trying to add that to your burden of already interpreting the military side. Mm-hmm. Well, there, there is, uh, as you say, there's no end to the amount of, of, of issues, of, of subjects we could discuss on this. Uh, and it happens every week, uh, much sooner than I would like. We've gotten to the end of our time here. Uh, so, Don Fons, thank you very much for being with us today on Civil War Talk Radio. I urge our listeners to uh, think about the Civil War Preservation Trust and certainly visit the uh, Fredericksburg and Spotsylvania National Military Park and the other wonderful National Park Service sites, uh, not just in Virginia, but also in the Western Theater and uh, throughout the country. Don, thanks for being with us today. Thank you very much. This is Jerry Prokopovich on Civil War Talk Radio.